Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the I Love Me podcast, where we talk about self-love, positivity, and how to live holistically and authentically in all and everything that you are. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. Thank you. Hi, Morgan. (laughs) Hi. How's it going? I'm good. It's beautiful weather today, so I'm really energetic and in an exciting mood. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, we've had some trial and errors moments trying to get this podcast rolling today but we are finally here hopefully there's no more issues and i'm just ready to have a good time and a great talk i'm ready to get this started so tell the listenership a little bit about yourself okay so my name is morgan lynch i go by the pronouns she her i am from the annapolis valley in nova scotia i joke that you know if you go to acadia university get on a side road and just keep driving for about half an hour and until if you drove any further your car would be in the ocean that's when you get to my road and i'm not even kidding but um so needless i kind of live in the middle of nowhere but in the times when i'm not in the middle of nowhere i am here at mount allison university i am just finished my second year of a bachelor of music degree with a minor in french which you know i think is pretty rad and fun but in terms of you know what's relevant to this podcast i consider myself indigenous slash mixed race sort of i look pasty is all hell so you wouldn't know it by looking at me but my family through my mother's side is Mi'kmaq and also Acadian are kind of the two things that I consider myself yeah yeah oh my god so you mentioned how you said you're mixed race and have like indigenous heritage Mm -hmm. and lineage within your family um do you find it hard when people like try to like put you into this box of like this is who you are and try to like define you based upon how you look definitely because there's been situations both with you know more white peers and also indigenous specifically and also just other like people of color when they look Mm -hmm. at me and they're like no you're one of those people that'll go and say you're like oh i'm 15 percent this 20 percent that you're just like trying to say you're spicy white right and i'm like (laughs) no like i have indigenous status and like i understand looking at me you wouldn't expect you know I mean, brown hair, I guess, is part of it. But I am have my hair dyed blonde. And, like, I have freckles and all that. You wouldn't expect it by looking at me. Right. And it's definitely been hard for me at times in my life kind of looking at other people in, like, the BIPOC community and the indigenous community and not feeling quite like I fit in there because I wasn't raised within my heritage as much as I would have liked to have been. But also looking at, you know, the white community and seeing like oh well there's these things that's happening that a are hurtful to me and b like it's also i feel like just by committing to that part of my heritage i am doing what the people who were colonizing north america in the 1700s wanted which is erasing that part of my culture so it's like it's been a really hard kind of line to walk and i've struggled with it throughout my life growing up and it's something i'm still working on yeah kind of find a balance i guess you mentioned how like you struggled with it like growing up and like dealing with that and like trying not to like fall back into like the pattern of like erasing that part of like Mm -hmm. your life and history so like what what experiences have you gone through to like try and like bring and connect with the culture with the indigenous culture well when i was really young or i guess i should start back with a little bit more of my family history because you know everyone that wants to or there was a certain time in our history fairly recently where, you know, the white Anglophone family was the way to be. Right. And for my grandparents on my mother's side, I had my indigenous grandmother, who also has some Acadian ancestry in there, too. But um, there was her. She was going to school to become a nurse, which, you know, 
was becoming more and more common, but still was, you know, a bit of a crazy thing at the time. And then there was my grandfather who didn't finish high school and went into the military as a Francophone man. Now, he is not indigenous, but in the military at that time, he was he's told me about how like they saw Francophones as less than. Right. So he erased that part of his culture. He started speaking only English. Now he only speaks like broken French to his siblings and stuff when he's speaking to them one-on-one. But between that pressure from the military and just societal pressure in general, my grandparents kind of decided that, you know, we want to fit into this white nuclear family because that is what seemed to be successful in order to be successful in the workplace or in the military. This is who you need to be. So they raised my mom and her two sisters in that way. And then when my mom had my brother and I, we were raised in very much that similar way. In fact, I didn't even really know I was indigenous for a while growing up. I remember my dad would like mention it, like we'd be watching something on TV. I remember like lying on the on the couch or I think maybe it was actually like in my parents' bedroom. I was like sitting on their bed watching this program. And my dad was like, oh, hey, that's like part of your guys' culture. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I had no idea. And it's just because they kept it so hush-hush for so long. Yeah. And then they didn't even, like, put it on our papers at school that we were Indigenous until around third or fourth grade. I remember being called out of class once, and we there was, like, a student support worker in all the Nova Scotia schools that would, like, work with the BIPOC students. And it was a very small town, small school. So it was me, and I think the majority of the other students there were Black. And... I looked at myself and I looked at them and I'm like, what am I supposed to have in common? I don't know enough about this. And it was interesting for me. And I thought it was, I remember really enjoying that experience, but not quite understanding what it was supposed to be. And then I told my mom about it and she was like, oh, I didn't realize they would pull you out of class with like the black kids and stuff like that. And of course now we hear that and we're like, yikes. But at the time it was just like, oh, she didn't expect me to kind of be singled out for this thing that I wasn't like showing outwardly and that they weren't really teaching me about so I kept doing things with this like student support group throughout all school like it followed through middle school and stuff like that and I had some really cool opportunities like they would take us out to different presentations for like Black History Month or like some indigenous artists were putting on like a performance or something we'd go to those and I really enjoyed it but I didn't really know much in depth and there was always something in me that was like come on you need to learn more about this so in high school I started doing some of my own research because I transferred to a high school actually that had a student support worker for the black students there wasn't one for like Asian students I don't think or like other people of color and then there was like barely any sort of supports for indigenous students except for we had a student teacher that came in in my grade 12 year that acted in that role but then when she went away that support went away and I just was like, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of looking at all these experiences I've had and I can't help but think, you know, why am I not knowing more about this? Because I don't know, you know, exact percentages or whatever, but I do know that no matter how much of me genetically is indigenous, that by ignoring it, it's just exactly what the colonizers wanted in the first place. So I started doing my own research I contacted some extended family who we're not super close to, who is more involved in the genealogy. And like I, we weren't involved with our specific nation at all. So I, I reached out and got status with them and everything. And I started doing my own work and 
with the student support worker at the school, that was really good because we were making all of these strides to get some more inclusivity and representation within my high school. But then once that student teacher's term ended, they didn't fill that position. Yeah. So then all of that stuff that we were planning, like, oh, an indigenous representative for the student council and stuff like that just kind of fell out into nowhere because they never did anything about it. And it was really frustrating, but I just kept doing research on my own. And I was able to like even trace my genealogy back to like the 1700s and like see like where my family came from because a lot of it is it's well documented, but it's just hard to find. So and again, I didn't use like any of those online things. It was like people. No, I didn't use anything like that. It was people who a lot of it was actually people who were writing about like relations between the Acadian and the Mi'kmaq people. There was a bit of that. And then there was like talking to other members of my family and we were able to figure out that there's like you know these like four families and stuff that were Acadian and Mi'kmaq and then like kind of stayed within the Mi'kmaq community and everything like that so we were able to figure that out and I realized we were eligible for status but we weren't like carrying the cards and everything we weren't like doing what we needed to do to have ourselves recognized so but I kind of brought that issue up to my family and now some of us not everybody in my family who is but like my mother and my brother and I believe my grandmother now actually have our status which is good because of the research I've done and although I think they were kind of like well I don't know what this is going to do for me when I got that it felt kind of freeing in a way because it's like okay this is validated I'm not just someone who is saying that I am indigenous or not fully white just to you know get attention and be special yeah I, it's like finally someone else is validating what i'm saying yeah yeah and that's and that was a huge part of it but it is been, it has been hard especially because i don't look it and i've had some people be really discouraging because of that and yeah. When I first came to Mount Allison, particularly, I had a bad experience with another student who was saying, like, I wasn't indigenous enough or something. And it kind of scared me off of, like, participating in some of the events here. Yeah. With, like, the Mount Allison Indigenous Support Group. Because I wanted to so bad, but I was thinking, well, even though, you know, I know for me that I'm indigenous and I'm enough, like, are people going to be hostile towards me thinking that because, you know, I wasn't raised with this part of my culture that I don't belong but then I I mentioned it in a class that I took at the beginning of this year which was put on by the amazing Dr. Kira Galway called Music School and Society we were talking about making our music classrooms and our music education more inclusive and essentially how like music education and social justice go hand in hand and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I mentioned being indigenous in just a discussion we were having and another classmate reached out to me and she was like, oh, I had no idea. And we went out for like brunch after one of our classes. And she encouraged me to go to like the teepee raising that we had earlier this year. And I haven't been able to go to anything since then just because I there hasn't been an event that have lined up with my schedule. But being there in that space, it was kind of the first time since coming to Mount Allison that I felt accepted. Now, I, I took like the support from that classmate who reached out to me. And so I def- I didn't have the courage to do it on my own, which I regret. But it was like kind of having that validation again and being there and helping, you know, raise this TP on campus. It was like really a moment for me where I finally felt kind of recognized and like I was right. finally doing something 
about this like void in yeah. my history and i don't know did you find like the support group that you first got into when you were in like the third or fourth grade was like the catalyst or like the key driving force into like you helping you accept like this is a part of my culture this is who i am i'd say so it wasn't like i said it was a very small school and it was essentially if you were any box on like the people of color thing that you checked off when you did your school registration you got pulled in so while it wasn't necessarily like super specific to my culture i found that it was the thing that got me to start thinking about it because we didn't talk about it in my family and i don't know if there was anyone in my family who was involved in residential schools i know that i or at least i don't believe my grandmother was at least but it could have i wouldn't be surprised if there was something further up that just isn't talked about because of course in indigenous families so much of this trauma is never talked about yeah. like that's a big thing and I understand, like, I don't blame, you know, my grandparents at all for, you know, wanting to fit the mold to succeed, but I can't help but wonder what my life would be like if I was raised both, like, with this indigenous culture and also, like, with the French side, which, I mean, isn't obviously the big thing to reconcile. I mean, I'm doing a French minor here just because I enjoy the language, but it's just a, I don't know, I just think of how different my life would be if they didn't need to kind of hide parts of who they were to fit in and have success right so now that we've talked about like how you've come to terms and like how you've come to terms to accept your like indigenous heritage now that you've accepted your indigenous heritage and like you've been living your life living it authentically like this is who i am Mm -hmm. no one can tell me otherwise and you've been validated you validated that yourself Mm -hmm. have you ever had like any negative experiences surrounding your identity for on who you are like I said, I mean, there's still some people that like say things. Like I said, I had one bad experience with a student in my first year. And I just, I know that because I don't look the part and I wasn't raised in the culture as much, that there's always going to be people who kind of doubt that I really have this part of my ancestry. And it's, like I said, it comes from both sides, both indigenous people who rightfully so don't want like just white people without any say coming in on their spaces like that's totally understandable but then there's a difference kind of between that and just like i don't know kind of not validating my experiences too which was frustrating and then also like i said there's the people that are like oh yeah sure you are because there is a trend and i noticed it in high school with some of my friends actually where people were saying like, oh yeah, I'm indigenous. And like I graduated, for example, I had a sash that was made by indigenous elders in the community that I wore. It was people saying like, oh, I think I, you know, might be indigenous somewhere and I should be wearing one of those too. But it's kind of different. There's a difference between like knowing it's there and just needing to connect with it and saying like, oh yeah, it's probably there somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like kind of that thing that it feels like, Sometimes it's painted as if like, oh, yeah, anyone can do this and say this is their thing because really, you know, we don't know what's completely in our genealogy or whatever, but it feels like that's kind of hurting my experience Mm -hmm. because I trying to live like my own like authentic life and having people from one side saying, oh, you know, you're not indigenous enough and then having people from the other side being like, oh, well, you know, I am just as indigenous as you or whatever, but then not having like. A connection. real established connection yeah. to the, a specific community. It makes me feel like people don't really believe me. Right. 
and it, it, it's it, always like that hard fine line especially like when you're mixed mm-hmm. like it's either you're not like for my friends it's like either it's like you're not black enough or you're not white enough so mm-hmm. it's always that fine line that you have to walk and like sometimes you just have to be like listen i don't care what you define me as mm-hmm. i choose my own identity like yeah what you want to put me in your box that's your box you can define me as whatever you want mm-hmm. to define me as but i am who i am and i'm gonna live my life as who i am yeah i wish i could say that you know i am like completely there but i'm still working through that yeah. and it's hard and you know like i my family is coming further and like i said there are some of us who have like our status cards now and have, like have that connection within our indigenous community but there's others who like I speak to and for example I have an aunt who I love dearly but she's like I'm not raising my kids with that because I wasn't raised with that so why do they have any reason to believe that that's part of their culture but I just feel like that's doing a disservice to the community I definitely agree because yeah like the people who put student put indigenous children in residential schools and who came here and like took all of our land and stuff this is what they wanted to happen right because it's their dream that you know someone who is indigenous will be like oh no that's not me and step away from it so i'm trying really hard to do the opposite because i know that this is there and i don't want it to just be like left behind or forgotten right and like for me, I didn't find out about indigenous culture until I came to Canada. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the education system back at home, like, we focus more on, like, countries close to us, I would say. Like, the yeah. U.S. And, like, we necessarily, I would say, we don't have, like, a formidable or, like, strong relationship with, like, Canada as we mm-hmm. have with the U.S. So, like, when it comes to, like, indigenous culture, learning about, like, Canada, there's always that, like oh, well, Canada is just, like, this nice place of, like, yeah. where everyone's accepted. Like, it's so, like, rainbow sunshines mm-hmm. and, like, no rain, no glitz. and It's all glitz and glamour. And, like, when I came here, it's just, like, where, where's the rain? Where's the sunshine and rainbows? Like, yeah. It's, like, I have to fit into this box of, like, being black. And then it's, like, when I'm black, I'm, like, I have to fit into, like, the stereotypes of what black men are. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, like, that hard line especially coming from like a predominantly black country and now coming into a country where i'm like the minority it's like yeah i don't know like sometimes i just don't know how to feel like here yeah and you know there's been like a journey for me of like just finding not only what like not only not putting myself in a box but in a way also finding what boxes i do fit in yeah because since coming to university and kind of having that independence to explore myself and everything in the way that i'd like I've also been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and with ADHD. And I'm just looking back at like eighth grade me now who was like super misunderstood and everything. And like had I had no friends in my like middle school because I just like wasn't able to connect with people in the way I wanted to. And then big thing for me, I joined my community honor choir and everything clicked. I was like talking about that all the time. It was like special interest neurodivergent thing. And it was the first place in a while that I felt accepted, but it wasn't for, you know, that part of my race. It was part of, it was like a talent thing. And it was just, you know, this community that, you know, was positive and didn't seem to care. And it was the, and a lot of people that kind of I related to. So I was talking about it a lot. And I'm like thinking about Kid Morgan, who, even though I have this community with choir, I was still in a small town, like going to school every day with people that like would be rude and bully me and I'm just thinking like not only did 
she not have that community there, but she was struggling to communicate because of an undiagnosed ADHD and anxiety disorder. And also she didn't feel like she fit in with any of them because the whole like struggle with the race thing. So I just look back and I'm really like sympathetic to my younger self because there was so much that I was dealing with that I didn't even know. Right. And it's only as I, you know, get older and step away, you know, from in a way by stepping away from my family, I feel like I'm getting closer because I'm able to explore things in a way that I couldn't when I was right there. If that makes some yeah, sense. Yeah, like definitely like sometimes we feel as though like being close to our family like helps us in a sense, but it also like being distant from them also helps us to gain like that sense of independence. Yeah. Like having uh, having the time and like the ability to like reach out and like do things that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question. Like, yeah, you now accept like your indigenous culture. Do you find that times when you go around your family who's who's just like, I don't want to like put this part of me out there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to acknowledge this part. Do you find yourself reverting back to the times where you're just like, I'm just not going to acknowledge this? I find I don't talk about it as much with them. I don't know. When I ever have that discussion, I usually do say similar to what I said to you that, you know, that's what I feel like the people who came and took our land and did all this, that's that's what they wanted to happen. Yeah. But eventually, you know, I just kind of, you know, just take a deep breath. And I think basically exactly what you said, that you can put yourself in whatever box you like. I can define myself how I like. I can't control whether or not they choose to accept this part of their identity. But I, what I can do is explain why I think it's important to. Right. And to, like, encourage. Yeah. But if someone in my family feels like they don't want to go through that process then you know that's for them to decide i guess obviously you know i have my biases and i think it would be a great thing if my whole family could like sit down and like properly unpack this but i know that's not going to happen so i'll just try to be a support when i can and not judge people for the paths they're not ready to walk yet oh i love that yeah oh my god that that was a message. Yeah. Like not judge people for the path they're not ready to walk it. Yeah, cuz they might get there someday and you if I I'm if I'm like, you know, shaming them for where they are in their journey right now, that's not going to create a positive outcome cuz that'll just first of all, it'll show that I'm hostile. I'm not someone that can be talked to about these things. But also like it could set someone back and it could like re- be really intimidating. Like, is this really what I want to do yeah. if that's what it's going to turn me into? You know, someone who's like all crazy and like aggressive about it. And I just think that everyone is at their own place in their journey and accepting who they are. And all you can do is be as supportive as you can and try to be a resource for that. You can't control the decisions other people choose to make. You're just coming through with messages today on this podcast. I did not intend to, but I'm glad that's (laughs) working. It's just like, I just love the things that you're saying, that you're spitting out. And like, now that you've come to terms with like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself from when you were a kid to now, do you find yourself being like more happier, being like, like happy with who you are, living authentically and all that you are? I find, yeah, definitely, I would say. I'm not all the way there, and it's not just when I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a process, and it's not just, you know, the indigenous part of me that I've been struggling with to, you know, get up there. Like, part of it is, like I said, I just got diagnosed with ADHD in January. My brother and all of my little cousins 
who also have ADHD were diagnosed when they were like five years old. Yeah. Why do I have to be diagnosed with them 20? And that's a big issue with women in like the neurodivergent community is that we're often diagnosed a lot later than men. Yeah. So like there's stuff like that that, you know, I'm going through because I was actually went to a different doctor because I couldn't get in with my regular one. And I thought something with my anxiety meds weren't working. And she was just like, have you ever considered, you know, this diagnosis instead? And I was like, holy crap, what? Yeah. (laughs) So it's like stuff like that where I'm reading it and seeing like, oh, this explains that thing that I've been doing for years that I thought was just weird and like stuff like that. But then also there's like going into my indigenous ancestry and feeling kind of like more cemented in who I am as a person and also just being able to, you know, pursue music because I want to be a music teacher. And like I said, my choir that I was involved in, shout out to the Annapolis Valley Honor Choir, was like one of the first places where I really felt like I had a concrete community Yeah. because, you know, I was like somewhat popular in elementary school-ish and then trauma happened that I'm just not related to this podcast. And I kind of lost that for a long time because, you know, people see feeling your emotions is a bad thing, especially when it's not in like a typical way. But anyway, I've just like, I had that community and it was so important to me and I really want to become a music teacher and educator so I can provide that for students. Mm. And it's just like being able to kind of live my life how I want to and have that impact that I want to on the world. I feel like that's really big for me because it's something that like, you know, Kid Morgan was at one point like wondering if she'd get here, you know, like thinking like, okay, is it even like worth trying like is the payoff going to be worth it and while i'm nowhere near the end of this road yet i think it's already looking up oh my god i love that so what does self-love mean to you um to me i guess it just means kind of accepting yourself for who you are with like even with your imperfections and everything Mm. like that because I see a lot of the time that, you know, people say self-love is like, oh, I am great. I am the greatest all the time. And there is an attitude for that. And like, I admire that confidence in people. But at the same time, if you have that mindset, you are kind of closing a lot of doors for growth. And one Mm. thing that I was taught pretty young that I stand by today is that the things you're going through and like the struggles you have are an explanation for your actions, but they're not an excuse for them. So like someone with the messages more i'm gonna say so like if i if you're struggling with like you know if person if you have like personal struggles with like i don't know your race or something or if you're struggling with mental health issues or if you have like adhd or some other neurodivergent thing like that's great and i'm glad that you are working on that but if you're not but what if you do something because of that that hurts someone else the fact that you have you know this thing going on in your life doesn't make that okay right And you still need to be open to self-growth and trying to make yourself a better person. And that's one thing that has been hard for me to learn because when self-love is like, oh, I love myself for everything that I do. No, you're not going to love yourself for everything that you do because we're human beings and sometimes we're going to do things that maybe we shouldn't be proud of. And it's all about, you know, owning up to it and being gentle with yourself in those moments but also recognizing that you know i need to grow and i've been on both sides of this where both i've done something that you know due to anxiety or adhd that i haven't been proud of but also i've been on the other end where people keep doing things to me and then saying like oh it's because i have depression and i'm like oh well you know i'll forgive them for that so it's been kind of setting up those boundaries and learning that message for me 
that, you know, it's okay to have these struggles, but you still need to take responsibility and grow has helped me learn what self-love is because to me, it's like accepting yourself in those moments, but also recognizing you need to grow because if you're just holding your like locking yourself into this position that I love myself how I am I struggle with this and this is what I do this is what I like this is how I'm going to respond to this situation every time then that's not loving yourself that's restricting (laughs) yeah because like I know I'm leaning kind of more into the mental health side of it now but um yeah yeah message message because If you really love yourself, you need to have moments where maybe you're not as proud of yourself as you should be, but you need to still, you need to find a balance between being gentle with yourself and still like, you know, being like, okay, I messed up. This is how I'm going to grow. And finding that balance has been a big part of figuring out what self-love means to me. I'm sorry if this is a tangent that's not related to the original question. I loved everything you just said. And I know for me, it's like an uphill battle. Yeah. Like I always find myself, I always find, I'm always like hard on myself when it comes to like, Mm -hmm. if I mess up or like if I do something I shouldn't Mm -hmm. do. And like now I find myself like I give, I give myself 24 hours to go through my feelings, to go through my Mm -hmm. emotions and go through it all. And then I analyze the situation and see how I can do better if I ever encounter the situation again. Yeah. So like, I think, to me it's like a spectrum where like on one end you have this like oh I love myself all the time I am perfect human being I have no flaws I am like a god on earth type thing you know like that level of confidence and then on the other hand you have someone who's beating themselves up for every little thing and like hates everything you do and what I think a lot of people consider self-love to just be that far end but what I really think it is is it's finding a balance in the middle where you are confident and happy with yourself but you're still taking responsibility for your own actions and realizing that you are an imperfect person who needs to grow right so in those moments where like you feel like you need to accept yourself or like in those moments you mess up Mm -hmm. like what do you do to like bring yourself back up to be like hey like although this isn't okay you're gonna be okay like do you write poetry i know you said you're into music so like do you like Mm -hmm. listen to like your classical music Uh, i don't even though i'm a classical music major i don't sit down and listen to like classical stuff a ton except for like cool choir stuff with funky harmonies because that's as someone who like as stuff someone who like where choir was such a pinnacle and important part of my upbringing there's always a soft spot in my heart for that but i don't like sit down and listen to classical music that much but i don't know generally i like listen to music or relax or for me just kind of talking my thoughts through also helps like my boyfriend Noah has been very good with that and that's actually we were we became friends in first year but it was actually like during quarantine when I was like struggling with a bunch of things I had a bad breakup and like I was back home and it felt like you know I was finally making all it felt like I was finally making all this progress and then COVID hit and I was like back to zero yeah and it was really discouraging and it felt and then he at one point was like okay I can tell like something's up you don't need to tell me anything if you're not comfortable but just know I'll always like be here for you if you need to talk this is like a couple months before we were dating it was kind of him opening that door and like I don't know having him to talk to it was been huge for me because I'm someone who like if I bottle stuff up I will like explode and like I get super tense like I'm technic I don't I should be getting back into this but I'm technically supposed to have like prescribed massage therapy for like anxiety tension but i have not been going as much or just like it all got off the rails because of covid so um 
it's like having someone to talk to and like to release those feelings to even if they don't understand if they just are there to listen I find that helps me a lot because I if you can't tell if you've made it this far in the episode you know (laughs) but if you can't tell yet somehow I like to ramble a lot (laughs) and it's just like as I'm rambling I like can come across new ideas and like get feelings out there and like sort through things if I keep it in my head I find like my anxiety will like snowball it but if I get it out into the universe it like helps me sort through it more yeah so I just kind of ramble until something clicks and usually it works and having someone to like talk to and support me through that helps and I know that not everyone has that all the time there's definitely times in my life where I didn't have that but I can just I don't know I'm just very thankful that I'm in a position now where I do have someone that I can like let it out to yeah like i love that like we are definitely complete opposite yeah <laughs> because like fine. for me if i'm like upset if i'm like down like my friends would have to like beg me like what's going on talk to me like mm-hmm. let me know yeah like, i they'd be the last person i go to to like for that mm-hmm. like support the th- there is a bit of that with me as well because especially if it's a real low point i'll want to keep it in and like yeah. that but that's really self-destructive for me mm. because like i get really tense and i keep it in and it snowballs so I want to be the person like you where I just keep it in and I'm like, (laughs) I don't worry anybody. But I know that for me to be like my most like healthy self, I need to express that to somebody or it will just present itself in other ways that aren't healthy. Plus, I feel like I just like the attention. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's valid. And everyone needs to go through things differently. Just because something works for me doesn't mean it'll work for you. Doesn't mean it'll work for whoever's listening. It's just, you know, my experience. Yeah. So, like, as we close out this episode. Yeah. Final question. Okay. What would be your piece of advice to someone who was in your situation when you were younger? What would you tell them that would help them along the way? Just that I know that other people are going to say, like, you know, maybe that you don't count or that you know you're just kind of making it up for attention but if you know that that part of you is there it's okay to look for it and to do research and to realize that part of yourself because again as I've said this over and over but it's so true it's what the people who like colonized this country and put kids in residential schools and did all of these horrible things it's what they wanted yeah that you'll be kind of giving into what they want if you kind of know this part of you is there you have a tangible connection to it and you just let it go because it would be easier not to it's not always an easy path like obviously i've had a lot of struggles and stuff with it as i've come to recognize it but i feel proud now that i'm not just kind of letting that side of history win me over and i think that you just need to to me kind of keeping that in mind really help just you just kind of know in your heart that this is a path you need to take and don't let other people doubt you and just i don't know don't let the colonizers win Yes, do not let the colonizers win. Exactly. Oh my God, Morgan, thank you for joining me on this episode. This has been such an insightful episode. You've come thank you for with having me. So many messages. I hope I'm glad. Oh. Thank you. Oh, don't judge people for the journey they're not ready to walk yet. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's gonna be my new Instagram bio. Okay. Oh my God. Rad. And I don't know. <laughs> I guess advice for I think 
if there's another piece of advice just for anyone, not for someone like who's specifically in my shoes, the what someone's going through is an explanation, not an excuse is also a big thing. Ooh. Because I like I mentioned earlier, I've been in positions both where I am the person who needs to take that in mind and be like, okay, I might be going through this thing. That doesn't make it okay. And then also seeing it like someone else treating you, like that doesn't make it okay either. Yeah. If, so I don't know. That's my advice to the broader audience. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you for joining me on the show, Morgan. It's been such a pleasure to have you here, giving yes. your insightful thoughts, your insightful insights, yes. and giving me a bucket load of wisdom. Oh, thank so you for having me. To everyone else. No problem. It's been such a great pleasure. I see you coming to work every day. You're always so happy. And I'm just always excited to see Morgan. Morgan gives me like the energy I need. Thank okay. You. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of chaotic environment. Sometimes <laughs> in our office, like you and Shashank will be like at each other's throats and Sian will just be quiet. And I'm just here like, hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> this is such a great show. It My is. name's Thor. I'm Morgan. And we are out. Thank you guys Woo! for listening.